So it's been a long time since we've been in the book of Acts. It was actually before Thanksgiving that we were in the book of Acts. Uh, so we're getting back into the swing of things. We're going to start with a mission trip. If you look at your bulletin, uh, this is a picture of Paul's first and second missionary journey. So for about the next five weeks, I want to keep this on here. So as we talk about some of these places, it comes a little bit more to life to recognize some of the places that he's been to instead of just some abstract place way back when they have we have no idea um, we're going to be able to trace his mission trip uh, for the next uh, five weeks or so so anyway uh, we're talking about mission trips uh, anybody here ever been on a mission trip I know, okay, a couple people. Uh, you know, sometimes when people think about mission trips, they think about the missionaries who, who pack up and they move overseas. And they go for bon, bon voyage for years at a time, right? And they learn new languages and they eat new foods and they dress in new fashions. Um, Sometimes people take shorter mission trips. They go for a couple weeks at a time, and they, they go to some another country. Uh, some places they, uh, they actually open up their mouth and they share Jesus. Sometimes they work on a building a house for a family or a church, or they help with some recovery efforts after some storm. Right? Those all count as mission trips. And if you count those as mission trips, I've never been on one. Um, I mean, the, the closest I ever came was uh, going to Canada as a mission trip with my dad with his youth group. They did a week-long VBS, and I was just a dumb kid that went along. And I remember Expo 86, if, you, if that rings a bell to anybody, Expo, it's like World's Fair. I remember uh, having fun there. But that's about all I remember. I have, however, gone on mission trips that I would call a mission trip. They're week-long uh, trips to another church in another state or even the state that I was in to do a week-long VBS. When I was in Washington, both as a kid and as a leader, we went to, uh, we went to the neighboring states of Oregon and Mon uh, Idaho uh, to do these week-long uh, vacation Bible schools. We did not hop on any planes. We did not hop on any trains. There was, there was nothing but a crummy van stacked with kids and supplies, and all you had for AC was 260. Right? You have 12 kids in a van, two windows down, 60 miles an hour, and that's as much as you could get. Right? That's what my mission trip consisted of. Now, that's three options of mission trips. And you might look and say, you know what? I'm not going overseas. I'm not going to hop in a crummy van full of a bunch of kids, uh, and I'm not going to go on a mission trip like that. Maybe because of your age, you say, I'm, I've kind of aged out of that thing. Maybe because of your job, you can't get away time, or maybe you're just like flat out scared or just determined you're not going to do it. That's okay, right? I understand all those feelings. But just because you don't go to another country or to another state doesn't mean you're not asked to be on, go on a mission trip. You might go on a mission trip staying right where you are. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, they're going to go on a mission trip. They're going to have to leave the hometown of where they're at, actually in Antioch. Down on the bottom left side, it says Antioch. Uh, it is got cut out. But that's where they're, they're going to have to leave and go to another island. And then they're going to have to go to all sorts of other places for their mission trip. But that may not be you. You may stay right where you're at, in your same job, in your same school, serving on your same boards, playing the same basketball, but God might use that as your mission trip, right? as your place, your destination to go and be a missionary for his name. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, too. So Acts chapter 13, we're going to be talking first about Paul and Barnabas and, and their call to missions. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the church at Antioch, 
There were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menam, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and they prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they, I'm sorry, um, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you again for your word. This is your time. God, you know the thoughts and concerns uh, that we have in our minds. You, you know my tongue feels tied up already on being able to speak. And I just pray that you would... Set that aside, that we would just hear from you the truth that you want us to know. God, you, you called Barnabas and Saul to a mission trip. I know, God, you can call us as well to a mission trip. Just please help us to be faithful. I just pray that your truth comes out through this next half hour or so, no matter however I put it, God, that your truth would be loud and clear. In Jesus' name, amen. So, they're going on a mission trip. In order to go on a mission trip, God's going to need some people. Acts chapter 13, it talks about there's, there's about five, four or five men that are listed there. And God says, set apart for me uh, Barnabas and Paul, or Barnabas and Saul, who will later be known as Paul, for this mission trip. And all these guys are doing right now is they're just fasting and they're praying. Right? We all know what praying is. That's talking to God. Fasting is we're not eating, kind of to show God how serious we are and, and how much we desire an answer from Him, that we're willing to sacrifice our eating in order to, to hear from God, in order to pray. And in this list of people, we look at these names and we really don't know much about them. You know, we know we're going to look at Barnabas and Saul and we maybe know a little bit about them. But these other people, we don't know anything about them other than the fact that they were prophets and teachers. A prophet who is someone who speaks on God's behalf to people. And then you have teachers, those who instruct others in the ways of God and of his word. But apart from these two verses, we don't know anything. So we're going to look back a little bit as we can uh, at Barnabas. There's, there's lots of information about him, uh, but we're not going to look at all of that. Uh, we're just going to look at a little bit. In Acts chapter 4, verses 36 through 37, when the church is just getting going, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of the, his possessions were his own, but they shared everything that they had. And it says in verse 34, there's no needy person among them. So from time to time, they would take their land or something and they would sell it. And they take that money and they would bring it to the disciples feet or the apostles feet to do what seemed best. Barnabas was one of those people. The first thing you hear about him is he's a guy who is encouraging. He's a guy who's all in on whatever it is that God wants to do. He's a great guy to be going on a mission trip. And throughout the book of Acts, you find him doing this over and over again, doing what God has asked him to do, to encourage other people, to be supportive in ministry. So the first guy that's going to go on this mission trip is a guy by the name of Barnabas. The second guy that's going to go on this mission trip is a guy by the name of Saul. Right, Saul, who is later going to be known as Paul, was the guy who was, uh, he's, he's made a big deal of when Stephen was getting stoned. Saul hold all, held all their coats so that they could throw rocks easier to kill Stephen. He gave, he gave approval to what they were doing, and then he just got it in his blood. You know, he got in his blood that he's going to go pretty much single-handedly go and wipe out all these Christians. So he went from town to town with letters to the synagogue so he might arrest everybody who claimed to be a Christian. On his way uh, to Damascus, he got blinded. 
right? He heard the voice of God. He, he got taken to Damascus. And once he put his faith in Jesus, he went from trying to stop the Christian faith to trying to promote it, right? He was trying to, to keep that from spreading. And then he became the most powerful guy in the New Testament pretty much to do it. It says he grew more and more powerful. He baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He went 180 degrees turn from the persecutor of Christians to the promoter of the Christian faith. That's the kind of men that God, through the Holy Spirit, is choosing to go on this first missionary journey. Together, before this point, they have a little bit of interaction. They have a little bit of working together to accomplish something for God. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, you find them in Antioch, in the place where they're going to be leaving from. They're there, and they are teaching the people. Right there, it says that for a whole year, these, they got together, and they taught the people in Antioch, and they were called Christians first in that location. But then, while they're in Antioch, some prophets had, taught, had prophesied how there was going to be a famine throughout the whole Judean area. And so they sent Barnabas and Saul with money, with resources, up to Jerusalem in order to bless the people there. And then you find that they come back, which is where we're picking them up at. In Acts chapter 13, in the church at Antioch, they've just gotten back from delivering these goods to Jerusalem, and now they are just there. They don't know what they're doing next. All we find that there's a group of believers praying and asking God to do something. Perhaps what they have in mind is they want to go and reach everybody else with Jesus, right? Paul has that missionary heart. He does not want to keep it just for himself. He wants to take it to everywhere. And perhaps they've all joined together specifically to pray about what are we going to do in order to get the name of Jesus out there. Now you look at this group of guys. You know, there's five or six of them. They're prophets. They're teachers. This is a quality bunch of guys. Why, why Barnabas? Why Saul? I don't know why specifically, except for I can tell you a little bit about Saul. You know, when he, uh, when he became blind, when he was on his way to Damascus, uh, a guy by the name of Ananias was told by Jesus to go and, and give Saul back his sight. And he says, this is, go, and he, let me just read it for you. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. God specifically chose Saul to go and be his mouthpiece to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And along the way, he's going to learn how much you really have to suffer for the name of Jesus. So that's one reason why I know God picked Saul. And Saul, in his lifetime, recognizes this because you find in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, uh, he says that uh, God who set me apart from my mother's womb, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So we can look at the rest of history and say, ah, I get why God picked Saul. Barnabas and Saul are two very high quality candidates to go on this missionary journey. All these other guys are high quality, potential people who can be doing ministry somewhere as well. But God looked at them and said, hey, this is who I want to go on this first missionary journey. God calls who he wants to call and he gives who he wants to, to gift. And he, he, he prepares them in advance for what he wants them to do. He did it back then. Guess what? God's going to do the same thing in our world today. He's going to give you a call, and He's going to ask you to accomplish it. Now, let me, that's why I'm here. 
Right? I'm here in Plevna, Montana because of a call from, that God placed upon my life to come. Now, I don't know how many of you people have ever heard of the, the town of Davenport. Anybody hear the name Davenport before? It's referred to as a couch. You say Davenport, everybody assumes you're talking Iowa. Now, when I first heard the name Plevna, I had never heard it before. Now, I Google it, and there's Plevnas and other places around the country, but I had never heard of it. Uh, I had no desire, ambition to move to Montana. My wife is a kid. Tried to, she cursed us. She didn't know it because when she was a kid, she used to go to Montana to her grandparents' house and said, I'm never moving to Montana. So that's why we're here. But that's why we're here is because God placed a call upon our life to come to this little town of Plevna, Montana. God's going to place a call upon your life as well. Some of you kids, probably more so than adults, God might call you to go to another continent. And it may not be warmer than this continent, right? God's going to, he may be calling you to go to another continent. That's what missionaries tend to do. They go somewhere far, far away. He might ask you to move to a different state, right? That's what I did. I moved from Washington to Montana. That could happen to you as well. Or he might ask you to move nowhere, he wants you to stay in your same job when you grow up and get one, or all you adults who have jobs. He might ask you to live in the same town or the same neighborhood. But God has a mission for you. You might look and say, yeah, right, not me, that's somebody else. You know, I can look and say, of course God picked Barnabas and Saul. Look how spiritual they were. Look, at, look how great they were. Of course God gave them a call. You might say, look, Josh, you're the guy who went to school. Of course God's going to do something with you. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that I'm nobody, right? All I am is just a body with flesh and bones and blood. You know, Paul and Barnabas, that's all they were, a body with flesh and blood. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, anybody that you can think of is just a body. It's just a brain. It's just a mouth. It's what God gave people the ability to do and how they responded to using that. And yeah, you may not go be the next David Jeremiah or the next missionary to the Congo, but God has something that he wants you to do. It's just a matter of if you are willing to do that. God gave everybody a spiritual gift, right? Uh, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. If you are a believer in Jesus, God gave you some kind of gifting to do. You know, uh, here's some other passages that talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, but you're supposed to use those to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. You don't have a choice. You get saved, you've got a spiritual gift. Right? It's not like some this and some not. No, everybody's got something. It's just a matter of if we're willing to use those. But God didn't give that to me just so I can feel good about myself. Yeah, I have the gift of teaching, or I have the gift of giving, or I have the gift of mercy, or the gift of administration, or the gift of whatever. Right? God didn't give those to us just so we could feel good about ourselves. He gave us those gifts so that we could use to benefit the body. Paul and Barnabas were God's men, and they followed God's mission. They're being sent off by the Holy Spirit to go on this big old trip and have no idea where each step is going to lead them, but they're willing to go. And as they go, it doesn't say, here's a church planning book. 
It doesn't say that he, Paul and Barnabas went to Bible school and they learned how to be a missionary. It doesn't say that they had the promise of support. It just says that uh, they, they, the people prayed for them, they placed their hands on them and said, Bon voyage, good luck. Right? That's all they got was here. You just go. Wherever the Holy Spirit's leading you, you just do it. That's all they got. It says when they were worshiping the Lord, this is what happened. They got sent off and they were willing to go on God's mission. And all they know at one time is this step. And then the next step. Had they known the whole trip, it would have been a lot more difficult to go because Paul, as he goes on his missionary journey, he gets stoned. Ah, that's a big no-no. I'm not going if I'm going to get stoned. He gets beat. He gets whipped. He gets wrongfully put in prison. You know, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 29 talks about this great big list of things Paul had to go through because he went on mission journeys. He went on mission trips for the Lord. The Holy Spirit called them and said, Hey guys, I got a mission for you. I want you to get there and I want you to go do it. But God has a mission for you as well. He's gifting you with the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has a, he's going to have a call for you what he wants you to do. Now, I think about me, you know, I told you I came to Montana, right? Because God put a call upon my life. And part of what God's mission for me is in Ephesians first, uh, chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, evangelists the, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Part of my job as a preacher is to help equip you for works of service. For when you walk out that door, you see all, I talk to all those people who will talk to you who really don't want to talk to me. And so you are prepared to share Jesus with them. That's part of what my job is inside this building. Right. But I don't get to stay safely within this, these four walls. Right. I don't go home to church and that's it. God didn't say, Josh, you just stay in this building. And that's the only thing that you do. God says, you got to get out there, Josh, and you got to do something outside the community or outside into the community. And so my goal uh, outside these walls is to be a missionary. That's one thing I want to do is to be a missionary. I invited people to the Christmas Eve service. Nobody came that I invited, but guess what the people heard? They heard the gospel, right? I invite people to church. Um, sometimes through course of conversation with people, I just blurt out the gospel, right? I just give it to them. I, I know it, and God gives me the opportunity, and so I say it. Uh, my goal is to show the love of Jesus shining through me. Part of why I go to school every day, right? Besides the fact that I drive that bus, right? Is I go to school and I walk down the halls and I visit with people to try to share the love of Jesus with them. Somehow, to connect with people, to say, hey, why don't you come to youth group, kids, uh, parents, so that when they, they, when they go through some tragedy in life, they feel like they have someone that they can come talk to, that they know, you know, about those things. And so I try to be, show the love of Jesus. I try to serve as Jesus would serve. Sometimes that means out on a ranch. Sometimes that means just helping somebody with a flat tire, shoveling a sidewalk, whatever those things are. But also outside these walls, my goal is to pray. For people. I pray for you. I pray for the prayer requests that come through. I pray through different things that I hear, right? That's what God's called me to do outside this building. And so God gave me a call. I am nothing special. I'm just flesh and blood. I can only do what I do because God gave me the ability to do it. He gave me a mission. 
But God did not just give Josh a mission. He didn't just give Paul and Barnabas a mission. God gave you a mission as well. It may not be require relocation to Africa. It may not be moving to Washington because I moved to Montana. Um, it might be staying right where you are. You have your job. You serve on the boards that you're on. You, you, you play on the basketball team. You're involved in whatever activities out there that you are involved in. That is your mission field, right? You go exactly where you go every single day, and that is a mission field. And God gives you the opportunity to say something to somebody about Jesus. God has something that he wants you to do specifically you to do. And that can take place right inside the, the building, Right? We have ministries inside our church. We have Sunday school. We have Awana. We have the deacon board. We have cleaning. We have well, hopefully a music committee someday Right, that wants to get up here and take my singing job. Right? We have all sorts of opportunities where people can be involved inside the building of this, the ministries within this church. You say, I'm not interested in any of those. Well, maybe we can start something new inside the walls of this church. But this is not the only place where you do ministry. Right? You do ministry out there. You go out there every day, all day, every day. And you're going to have opportunities. Uh, last Sunday, we, I went to the nursing home service with Sharon Heather and Caleb. And I look at Sharon and I say, thank you so much. I meant to send you a card this week to say how much, how nice it is to have you play the piano for me. Because acapella is not, doesn't work. But there is a ministry outside the church. Right? She plays the piano, and me and Caleb sing, and everybody has a good time, and we share the gospel and the message. But that is a ministry that takes place outside the building. Volunteering at school, seeing a need and meeting it, opening up your mouth and sharing Jesus with somebody outside the walls of this church. Our Christmas Eve message. Anybody remember what that was about? Giving God the best gift that you could give, right? And we looked at loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With everything that you are. Giving God the best of what you have. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. What does it look like to go and be a missionary? Look at this. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. You want the gospel so that you can go to heaven. They need the gospel so that they can go to heaven as well. Want something more specific? Like, I really don't know what to do, Josh. I know there's ministries inside. I know there's potential outside, but I really don't know what to do. I'd like to encourage you to do exactly what these guys did. They prayed and they fasted. Put it upon, give it the question to God. I know I'm supposed to do something. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not sure what to do. Pray and fast and say, what God do you specifically want me to do? You tell me about it, I promise you, my wife and I will pray with you. We'll pray with you right now. We'll pray with you during the week, right? At whatever point that God brings you to our mind, we will pray with you. So if you really want to know what God is asking you to do, we will pray with you because God has something for you to do. And I understand. Maybe it makes you feel uncomfortable. Get out there and go on a mission trip. Go out there and do something that I haven't possibly, a new way of doing something I haven't done before. It makes you feel uncomfortable. I get it. I've been there. I've done that. Right? There's a lot of, I get put in all sorts of uncomfortable situations, but I live through it. And God teaches me through it. And he develops me. and He grows me through it. I, wanna, I want to uh, spend the rest of our time thinking about somebody else who went on a mission trip. Anybody want to take a guess who that is? Jesus. Jesus. 
He went on a mission trip, right? We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. And we, we get excited about the birth of Jesus. And we have presents and we, we have three goofy Christmas messages and a whole month and a half long of Christmas songs. And we, we get excited with that. But Jesus came on a mission trip to do more than that. He came Christmas morning to be born in Bethlehem. He was born to poor parents right out in a barn. There wasn't room for him in the inn. He wasn't placed in a palace. He was just born in a cold and poor, lonely stable. That's what he did on his mission trip. He left heaven to come to earth, and he picked a dinky little town in a barn called Bethlehem. Not the, not the place that most people would want to pick for their mission trip, but that's the place where Jesus picked. While he was on earth, he didn't have everything all wonderful, right? He was rejected by his earthly family. He's doing his ministry work. His, parent, his family's coming after him thinking, we've got to get Jesus out of here because he is out of his mind. This is what's happening on his mission trip. He's, not, he's getting support by the disciples at this point. A lot of people are rejecting him. His own family is saying, I'm not sure I want this. On his mission trip, near the end of his trip, he gets betrayed by Judas, one of his 12 disciples. Boy, that's got to hurt. I mean, he knows this is coming, but it's got to hurt. This is going to end this way. One of my disciples is going to betray me. And then he's deserted by his disciples, right? All these guys, 11 of the, guys, the 12 that are left are my support group who are going to help me through this, all flee. And then even there you have Peter denying Jesus three times. This was his mission trip. And why did he come? It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, he came to be humbled to death, even death on a cross. That's why he came, was to die on a cross. Thankfully, he rose again so that we have the hope of eternal life. But his mission trip, it started on a beautiful Christmas morning. All the happiness and all the joy. But then it ends on a cross until he, he, he rises again to be the Savior of the world. But he came on a mission trip. He had a purpose, and his purpose was me. Because I am the sinner. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. That's what he came on a mission trip to do, was to help me, to save me as a sinner, because the wages of sin is death. Right? That's what I deserve. That's where I'm going to go without Jesus. And if he would have stayed up in heaven and just watched us goofy people doing all our stuff, that's where we would all go. You know, there's a lot of, over the last couple of days, there's some pretty major uh, famous people who have passed away. Uh, John Madden, Dan Reeves, those are both major icons in football. A, guy, a gal by the name of Betty White made it to be 99, a famous actress. And those people who died, they might look be heroes here on earth. And we might remember them, and they're going to have a moment of silence before the football game for John Madden. But without Jesus, none of that matters. They're going to go to hell if they don't have Jesus. And they're going to be there forever. Now, you may never get your name in lights. There may never be a, name, a moment of silence for you. They may never have reruns of your shows for the next 20 years and a commemoration, commemoration of the day you died. But you can have Jesus and you can have eternal life if you're just willing to admit to him that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and you ask him to be your Savior. 
That's why Jesus came. He came on a mission trip to save you from the punishment for the sins that you deserve. And he came to save me from the punishment for the sin that I deserve as well.